What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show. We're the official mailbag show for a player profiler. Oh my gosh, wildcard weekend. Um, that's going to be the main focus of this episode. I hope everyone thoroughly enjoyed wildcard weekend. Um, oddly wild, emphasis on wild, because we had some crazy shootout games with some unexpected results for somebody, for, you know, for some of you, some of you, it was unexpected. Um, I'll take a mild second here, just a second as a Packers fan to do some mild gloating here. It was a fantastic wild card weekend for me. I did pick my Packers. Um, I didn't think we were going to beat them that bad, <laughs> but yeah, uh, crazy wild card weekend. We're going to talk about some of the fallout because obviously there were some big things that happened here in terms of how these teams shaping how these teams are going to look in 2024. So I'm just going to dive right in because that's going to be the main focus of this show. We're going to talk about that. And of course, we've got some mailbag questions. We have some really good ones that were submitted here. A couple that I really want to dive into deeper. Um, but we'll start off with the wild card fallout here from the playoffs. Oh, this weekend, massive, might have some massive implications for multiple teams going forward. Um, not just coaching situations, obviously, um, because there were some jobs that we thought were at risk. And it turns out maybe some of those jobs aren't really at risk as much as the um, coordinator roles for those teams are going to be at risk. But players still having jobs where they could be long term, shaky potential here, maybe players sticking around in some unexpected ways as well. We've got some 2024 redraft issues, some dynasty perspective here. So we're going to go through game by game and evaluate the fantasy implications moving forward for these teams. We will start off with, I'm in Houston, um, so this was a good, I, I thought the Browns were going to win. I thought Joe Flacco, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie to you. I picked Joe Flacco. I thought Joe Flacco was going to get his um, his win here because that's typically what he does in the playoffs, get his win, and then move on to face the Ravens. That did not happen. The Texans stomped all over this Browns team. It's good for them. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy for them. I'm in Houston so this was wonderful to see. I'm proud of them in the direction that this franchise is heading. The value, though, for the Texans in 2024 is going to surge through the roof. Just how high will we be drafting Nico Collins in 2024? That is a big question that I am seeing all over the place. I currently have him um, in redraft as wide receiver 17. That's too low, honestly. I know for sure that that is way too low from where we need to have him. But we do have this weird situation here. His his basically for me, his spot and his positioning is going to be in flux. Where I have him right now, it, it's going to shift because there's a lot of stuff that has to shake out with a lot of these veterans, these older veterans in particular. We have guys like Devonte Adams, um, Devonte Adams obviously who could you know get a good quarterback, maybe upgrade his quarterback situation here, return to Devonte Adams. Because when we saw him, there really was no actual regression for Devonte Adams. He just needs. A quarterback and we could get that change here um it's going to be very interesting to see how this coaching situation is going to shake out for them because obviously antonio pierce is the front runner and the players have made it very clear that they want him to remain with this team which would be good which would be good for this team i think antonio pierce deserves his shot here um but obviously we need to see the change in quarterback to really understand, you know, where the value lies for Devontae Adams because the upside is still there. We just need to see the consistency in terms of, you know, the quarterback play that allows him to be that true wide receiver one that shines through. What's up, Albert? Reminder, we are live here. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, um, 
I'm live as well. If you ever want to tune in live on YouTube, um, I think on the player profiler, Twitter and Facebook as well. If you want to check that out, always welcome. You can come and chat with me live and I'll answer the questions live. Um, all right. Um, who else here? Again, you know, I talked about Devonte Adams. Um, we've also got Stefan Diggs, who is kind of in a weird situation where his role has, you know, massively changed in terms of the production that he's having because the offensive philosophy has shifted aggressively for the Bills and they have zero reason to change it. It's working for them. Uh, but we knew how Stefan Diggs can be. So we could get into the offseason where right now I don't want to draft Stefan Diggs if he remains with the Bills. I mean, you know, I'll draft him on a discount and whatnot. But um, obviously it's been just the way that this direction has had has been fantastic for the Bills from a real football perspective, terrible for Stefan Diggs from a fantasy football perspective. And if everything sticks as it is, and I don't see why the Bills would really be seeking to change anything because it's working, we're going to be looking at a massive dip in terms of where we're ranking Stefan Diggs. And he would 100% be, fall behind a guy like Nico Collins if he remains with the Bills. But we could see him, you know, Stefan Diggs, he gets kind of, you know, in a little, he, he throws fits sometimes in the offseason. So we could see him um, request a trade. Maybe they grant in, you know, things could get maybe potentially dramatic depending on how this whole playoff situation shakes out here. So obviously that's one that's in flux and affecting Nico Collins value. You've got a guy like Mike Evans. We'll talk about him later. So there's a lot of these veterans here that could shift in terms of where I'm ranking them. And that affects Nico Collins because that's really the main role that he, the main place that I have him in. Um, but we're looking at him. Obviously we're going to probably get an injury discount on Tank Dell. And then CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, how high are we drafting him as well? He's QB6 for me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I feel very comfortable with him at that position. Very comfortable with him. Because when we're looking at CJ Stroud and his role as a rookie, the level of upside that he had, the way that he shined in strong, in strong matchups, the floor was decent enough. You know, the rushing upside isn't exactly what we would want it to be, but the precision is a pocket passer. He's got everything in my opinion, to continue to thrive. He's got the weapons locked in and they should just continue to move forward and progress in a very positive way. So I feel comfortable with CJ Stroud as QB six for me, that more than likely is not going to change. And then we're also looking at the running back position. That's one that could be in flux here. Devin Singletary obviously is a free agent. We talked about that in our previous show here. Um, and we're looking at Devin Singletary, uh, if they re-sign him, he could be another, you know, zero-ish RB target for us. The Texans could re-sign him at good cost. Or they could dip into the free agency market. So there's something that could happen there, you know, depending on how they want to shape this team. They've got the money to do so. Um, looking at the Browns, again, this one is not, um, there's nothing dramatic that's going to happen to the Browns, obviously. Kevin Stefanski did a wonderful job um, dealing with the team as it was, all the injury issues that they had, the loss of Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson. Um, Deshaun Watson getting lucky that Joe Flacco, um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, put up that dud. So uh, there's there's no you know, quarterback controversy over there. Deshaun Watson will you know, remain the QB1 over there. It'll be interesting to see where Nick Chubb is at in terms of his recovery, but I really I don't think we're going to see a lot of massive changes for the Browns. I don't think anything that happened in the playoffs um, has any true indication of you know making any major shifts in the Browns. Um, the only thing that I will say here is that I am still 100% not comfortable with drafting Deshaun Watson. Um, that's a full fade for me. 
that's a full fade for me. Um, and, and we'll get into this in terms of, you know, quarterbacks here that are, you know, vaulting their way into that QB one, that solidified QB one ranking heading into 2024. And Deshaun's not one of them. He's not. Um, he is a mid range QB two for me. I don't see any reason why you need to reach him. The ceiling is not beautiful enough to the point where you're feeling like he's someone that could really have a massive effect on your fantasy roster. Uh, it's just, it's okay. It's not inspiring. So, and, you know, not really dependable and reliable. So uh, looking at that one, I just don't know if there's anything that I would really key in on with him. Now, Texans versus Browns, you know, and result, not super surprising. But one playoff game from wildcard weekend that I think is going to have a ton of implications for us is the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. I think that might have been the final nail in the coffin in terms of <laughs> the way that we're looking at that Dolphins offense and Tua as a fantasy asset and potentially how he really fits into that Dolphins team uh, moving forward in general. Um, I'll start off with the positive. Um, we'll start off with the with the Chiefs. And um, obviously we have not, um, obviously when we're looking at the Chiefs, Rasheed Rice. Um, for me is a major, major target. The way that we were able, I mean, the performance and the way that he ended the season, we cannot ignore it. Of all the guys that I'm going to talk about on this list, Rasheed Rice is the one for me that you need to be very, very keen on targeting him in drafts because in my opinion, he's shaping out to be the Amon Ross St. Brown type of receiver where, you know, the Chiefs are probably going to invest in another wide receiver. Obviously, you know, Travis Kelsey, we're looking at him. There was some regression visually. You could see some regression to where maybe age is starting to creep in on him and going with this set of, okay, I've got my, you know, my wide receiver one of Rasheed Rice, my true wide receiver one of Travis Kelsey. That's just not going to work out moving forward for the Chiefs. Now, granted, you know, things could maybe things shift a little bit in the playoffs and they feel like they can move forward that way. But in my opinion, they're probably going to draft um, draft or potentially um, free agency invest in another wide receiver. Don't let that make you panic on Rasheed Rice. Again, when we're looking at him and when I refer to him as the Amon Ross St. Brown don't let him be that guy where you think, no, there's no way that he's going to be able to repeat this. They're going to draft. So they're bringing somebody in and that person's going to take over as the wide receiver one. And we can't trust Rasheed Rice. No, no. When a rookie makes this level of impact on the same trajectory that um, um, Amon Ra had that, back half of the season, assert yourself trajectory of that wide receiver one. You have to trust that it's going to stick. Do not fade this man. Um, very much so in on Rasheed Rice in 2024. Travis Kelsey for me is dropping back, unfortunately. Um, in redraft, you know, he's my tight end three. Um, in dynasty, it's the, oh crap, I'm stuck with him situation. Now, you you know, if you're a contender, you're sticking it out with him. Um, got him in one of my dynasty teams. We're going to stick it with a <laughs> painful contender that did not win the championship this year. Oh, it's painful. Um, but you're sticking it out with him. And um, but if you're not a contender, you need to go ahead and sell for what you can, um, because, again, when we're looking at Travis Kelsey, still a top, still a top, you know, asset, still very usable. We're not hitting panic mode right here. We're not in the Darren Waller type of panic mode right now. 
Um, but we are concerned that there's the clear drop off and that he is teetering towards towards the back end and that we're seeing these younger these younger assets, the Laportas, the McBrides, the Kincaids pushing forward and stepping forward. So just keep that in mind. But going over to Miami, um, and before I do that, before going over to Miami, I am going to say a what's up to Tootsie Pops. What's up? Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you always. Um, but before we do that, um, or we're going to go ahead and dive into Miami. Um, obviously, Tyreek, we can skip over that. There's no change in 2024. Um, Tua, you know, he is who he is. It doesn't really matter for Tyreek. He thrives regardless of what's going on with Tua. Um, Waddle is interesting, though. I will say this, because looking at, you know, looking at where in general consensus rankings right now of where Jalen Waddle is prior to, you know, in 2023, when we were looking at Jalen Waddle, we were having to be aggressive with him. You weren't getting any discount. You were looking at him and drafting him and that, you know, typically, mm, I want to say like that wide receiver 10 to 14 range, um, you know, teetering back and forth between him and Devonta Smith is those kind of one B's that you're taking over those wide receiver ones. Cause you think they have more upside and, you know, just from a draft perspective, it was just, you know, kind of difficult to work with because of how high you had to draft him. I didn't personally didn't have a lot of him in 2023, just because of how aggressive you had to be in drafts. I think we see a solid discount here. I think we're going to get a nice little Tua discount here from what I'm seeing and that Waddle is actually going to be fairly reasonable to draft um, in 2024, maybe reasonable to acquire in Dynasty as well. So Waddle is one, I think, that kind of benefits here from the perception that Tua is not the guy long term in Miami. Um, because finally you can get him and that talent level at a little bit of a discount here. Um, so that's the benefit here. But the one that I do want to really talk about here that is a little bit, this is one of the toughest ones. I think this will be one of the toughest calls in 2024. H-Han, and where are we drafting him? Devon, H-Han, <sighs> In 2023, we we saw Miami literally bring back their entire running back room. And what's up to everybody in the chat? I see you all in there. Appreciate you joining in. But last year we saw, or 2023, I say last year, which literally just happened. It's so weird. Um, but we saw Miami bring back literally their entire running back room, inclusive of Jeff Wilson. Obviously, Savannah Med was still on his original contract there. Um, so they didn't change anything. They just drafted HM. And obviously that created, you know, not the best situation for HN. Mostert stepping up is that clear, you know, RB1. And the weird situation here that I think it's going to make it difficult with HN and how high we're drafting him. Because right now he's looking like a guy who's going to come in as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 at the lowest. But the problem is, is that there's zero reason why Mostert won't be with the team next year. There's not a contract issue here. There's no budgetary concerns. His contract is not a major issue. I don't see him being a cut candidate. Um, we're more than likely looking at, you know, a continued split backfield here. Yeah, I see the comments here. Um, let me show these. Uh, on the YouTube, let's throw those up. Yep, drafted Waddle in the third round from Jason. Yeah, we're going to get the discount. I know the pain, right? We're going to get that discount, though. Um, and then from Toronto, Dave, Raheem must start. Yeah, I think it continues. I know we're looking at him. So HN for me, it's going to be a tough one. I've got him a little bit further back here. 
And it's going to be hard for me to get to him if we've got Mostert back because you always want to, you know, you want to push out the aging veteran, but we didn't see any regression concerns with him. And he actually finally actually played a, um, it had been a while since we'd seen that, a majority healthy season from him. Again, not a ton of mileage, age, yeah, but he's one of those players, one of those weird players that, again, doesn't have an actual ton of mileage on him. So this is one that we're going to have to monitor again. Um, it's tough. It's tough. All right, sorry. I said he's uh, he's my RB12. Um, he's I think he's in consensus right now for Fantasy Pros, like RB10 in half PPR. Um, that one, it worries me a little bit. And honestly, for me, that one is the one in terms of running backs that I'm looking at. That one could probably flux down the most, in my opinion, um, depending on how running backs shake out in free agency. Because you've got guys right now falling behind him like, you know, um, like Josh Jacobs. That's somebody who could obviously push his way up if, if he finds himself in an advantageous situation. So that's another one that we really got to monitor here. Um, HN is the biggest one here because from what I'm seeing in the, the playoff results, I don't think that running back is going to be something that they feel like they have to make any dramatic changes to. And it's kind of hard to really gauge the team as a whole based off of that playoff performance. Cause quite frankly, um, one thing was very clear and a big reason why I think if, if you watch the fantasy, uh, not if you watch the uh, player profiler, um, uh, playoff predictions video. Every single one of us picked, every single analyst in the video picked Kansas City to win and Miami to unfortunately lose because it was so predictable. It was one of the easiest ones to predict there that there was just no way that Tua was going to win that game, unfortunately. It's so yeah, there's just so much. It's it's tough to judge a ton based off of that game, but even just closing out the season, quite frankly. <sighs> I don't know. He he is the one. Achan is the one that makes me the most nervous. There, um, still one hundred percent in on Tyreek. Still feeling. Um, we're again. We're we're gonna like the. I'm anticipating that we're gonna like that discount that we're gonna get on Jalen Waddle. But outside of that, um, the whole running back situation kind of worries me. I might have more Mostert shares than um, than you would think, but he is gonna be discount. He will be a discount there. Um, before we move on to the next game, we're going to take a little break here. And we are going to hear a word from our sponsors. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you could 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. 
boom, that's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code Underworld to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100, underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code Underworld. Go start picking. I should have used that little break to go do uh go grab my coffee. Walked in here, set everything up, didn't get my coffee. It's 8 p.m. here. You say, Tara, why are you why would you drink coffee at 8 p.m.? Because I'm a lunatic who doesn't get enough sleep and I get tired late and I need my caffeine boost. This is my second giant mug of coffee for the day. So <laughs> Bear with me as we're as we're going through this show. All right, we're gonna move on to if you looked at the thumbnail, which I love, by the way. Um, if you looked at the thumbnail of this show, uh, we will be talking about now my featured topic of the Packers versus the Cowboys. I will not be doing any gloating in this one. Um, you guys, you guys know y'all can <laughs> y'all can y'all can gloat for me. I am a I'm a clear Packers fan. I don't I don't hide that. Um, but we're we're going to talk about the Cowboys here. Um, Mike McCarthy lives. <laughs> Mike McCarthy lives to see another day. I know we all thought. Um, I was prepared to you know I was prepared for the move on situation here of uh, Mike McCarthy potentially being fired. But nope, nope. Jerry said no. He is confident in Mike. He said they are close. They were they're, they're on the cusp of greatness here. And <sighs> Mike McCarthy lives. So what's going to happen to the Dallas Cowboys in 2024? I made a I made a post on um, on Twitter X predicting that the Cowboys will give Saquon a bag and draft a first round wide receiver. Now this was a bit tongue in cheek. This is not what I think they should do. Um, it's just, it's just a funny little prediction here, but I'm, honestly, it's more so a read on Jerry Jones and his reactionary moves. It is not outside of the realm of possibility that they continue to aggressively push offense, even though the offense is working, we'll get into that in a second, but that they continue to aggressively push the offense forward. Um, Clearly, their their issues are offensive line and defense. They have holes that they have to they have to reinforce the offensive line. Um, they've got some free agency concerns, and they've got holes that they got to fill on defense. They're not best served going out and getting a big name running back. They're best served getting a cheap running back to pair with Rico Dowdle because obviously they see a little confidence in him. I do not think that Pollard will be back. I don't think, and that's unfortunate for him because they used the franchise tag and that really didn't benefit him because if he had entered free agency off of that season that he had, he could have gotten a multi-year deal um, and secured himself a little bag. And unfortunately, he just didn't really showcase like a true RB1 this season. And even offensive line issues aside, I, I, I just don't, think that unless he's willing to take a significant discount on you know his contract here I don't see him remaining with Dallas I think they move on from there unfortunately <clears throat> but when we're looking at when we're looking at Dallas and what they and what they could do in in this draft I do think that they could use and will get a wide receiver too I don't I don't 
think, and I hope not. I hope they don't do this, although it's a very strong possibility. Don't discount it. Logically, they need to draft an offensive lineman in the first round. But in their hearts, if the right wide receiver is on the board, I do think that they could make that move. At the very least, they will you know, get a day two wide receiver. And you know, some people might be worried that that affects CD Lamb. Obviously, I can I can see where that could you know have some potential fear with CD Lamb. But for me, he's still a clear um, top twelve overall pick here. The volume, the volume was key here. And McCarthy staying not the best thing for the Cowboys overall and their you know long term push towards a Super Bowl, but. I will say that McCarthy staying um, does have a continued positive effect on CD Lamb. That's the benefit there, is that when we're looking at CD Lamb and we're looking at the way this offense changed when Mike Mar- Mike McCarthy had that philosophical change after the bye week, he was clear and by far not even close the wide receiver one overall. So McCarthy staying just it's it, that's a thank goodness in terms of our fantasy production. We should be thankful in terms of fantasy production. Is it best for the Cowboys? No. But in terms of fantasy production for our purposes, that is what's best for us. Mike McCarthy staying there. So I think we won here as fantasy managers. Um, we won with Mike McCarthy staying in Dallas, where you know, Dak was the overall QB three. You know, QB five and average points per game. But again, if you split it up in terms of that bye week where they made the change and pushed more aggressive in the past and everybody, everybody in the passing game just made that aggressive jump. He was QB two, both overall and in average points per game, literally right behind Josh Allen. And there was a significant gap between Josh Allen and Dak and everybody else. And, you know, more than likely that should continue on a similar path here with um with Dak and Mike McCarthy staying together. Um I will say that he is my so the Fantasy Pros ECR has him at QB5. He is or he is my QB8 right now. I know that is low. Um I've got Field Stroud and Richardson ahead of him just because you know, I'm willing to take that risk and that true upside and take the risk there on those guys <clears throat> assuming Field stays in Chicago versus you know the flux that could technically happen with Dallas. I do think it's still relatively safe, but there's always the risk that they do try to get just a tiny bit run heavier if they do actually go and sign someone in free agency. So depending on how free agency shakes out there, I could kind of bend back and forth on Dak, really. Um, but it's still a good range for him. I think even at QB5, you're still getting a decent discount on him. So again, from a fantasy perspective, the Cowboys losing probably benefits us the- <laughs> in a decent way because they seem bound and determined to feel confident that the offense is not the issue. So they'll keep rolling forward with it as is again, Tony Pollard is the only person who I think kind of, you know, fails here. <clears throat> um, side note here. Uh, there was a, and I should like, I should go put it on my Twitter after this. Um, I think I'll go put it on my Twitter after this. I, I saw a TikTok of, and I, I don't have the guy's username, but there was a TikTok of a guy comparing the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones to a restaurant owner and how like a restaurant owner, a flashy restaurant owner. And it's just like, it's a super good comparison. I won't dive into it because it'll take too long, but um, just like look, uh, go on TikTok and search like Dallas Cowboys restaurant owner, or maybe I'll put it on my Twitter after because the comparison is eerily good. And I think it kind of reinforces that fact that 
the Cowboys stability wise in terms of Dak and CD. <clears throat> very, very strong in my opinion. So, <laughs> but not a good thing for the Cowboys overall. Fine from a fantasy perspective because they're just going to continue to push the same type of offense because it's working enough. It's working enough as is. Um, moving on to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jordan Love. I Jordan Love is my QB 12 in terms of redraft heading into next season. Um, I want to be higher. I could get higher on him. It is just difficult because, honestly, we have a wealth of talent in terms of um, 1 through 12 and even just a tad bit more beyond that as well. Um, QB is very deep right now, in my opinion. And um, even at QB 12, I'll say this, we're still getting an excellent discount on Jordan Love. And, oh, man. I mean, the fact that the floor that he's shown us, the ceiling that he's shown us, hitting 30 fantasy points multiple times, just the level of consistency, all with a first-year starter. Ah, man, and his pass catchers being very discounted as well, in my opinion. And I, and I do predict that people will – I think his pass catchers will stay discounted. Maybe um, maybe Jaden Reed might be the only uh, exception here. Let me show this comment here by Anthony because I completely agree. Yeah, the – the young set of pass catchers here. And from a fantasy perspective, in my opinion, we will continue to see them at strong value, continue to see them at strong value. Because when you're looking at them, people get worried when you have that many, there's no clear, there's truly no clear wide receiver one. There's truly no clear wide receiver one in there. You can say Jaden Reed, you can um, say that there is, you know, that, you know, maybe there's some kind of, you know, bouncing. I don't think too many people are saying that, but Romeo Dobbs stepped up, maybe a Christian Watson bounce back. There's so many possibilities here. The tight ends as well, um, pushing forward aggressively. So you've got two of them in Musgrave and Tucker Craft. There's just so much for Jordan Love to work with. The level of talent, you don't have to really worry about, um, you know, if, let's say Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, since we just talked about Deshaun, Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, let's say Amari Cooper goes down. That obviously massively affects the value for Deshaun Watson. Jordan Love, Jane Reed goes down. The, the show goes on because they've got so much talent overall. So he's a very safe late round stab at quarterback and all of them should be fairly discounted. And I want to say that the person who I actually find the most interesting in all of this is actually Aaron Jones is probably the most interesting person in this. We, we've seen him as A.J. Dillon has been dealing with this injury towards the end of the season and in this playoff game as well. We've seen Aaron Jones, healthy Aaron Jones, clearly showcasing you know when he's healthy that there is no regression there. Maybe you think of it kind of similar to like Keenan Allen in terms of where he was at in 2022. And Keenan Allen was somebody who, in 2023, I drafted very aggressively because, again, when I see you dealing with health issues in one season and you finally get healthy towards the end of the season and you don't visually look like you show any signs of regression, you still look like the top player that you were previously, you were just dealing with some injuries that kind of held you back for the majority of the season. There's no reason that that is 100% going to carry on to the next season. And that's exactly what we saw with Keenan Allen. Now, granted, obviously you had that end of the season injury more so in my opinion, he was sat because there was nothing to play for. You had no Justin Herbert in an actual competitive situation, more than likely he would have been back. But I think kind of that's a good, 
a good comparison for Aaron Jones, a player who dealt with this hamstring injury all season long, was very limited, underwhelming, burned us all in terms of if you drafted him, it was not a happy season for you. And then finally got healthy, A.J. Dillon dealing with the injury, and we finally saw Aaron Jones being Aaron Jones, no visual sign of regression with him. But when I'm looking at him and where he's being drafted next year and the value that he has as well, if you're wanting to, you know, invest in someone in dynasty cheap um cheap running back contender aaron jones is somebody who i think is an excellent target because health is the only issue here that he was dealing with i'm willing to take that risk of him coming back healthy in 2024 and having that huge upside and we've got aj Dillon hitting free agency he, t- he could he could he could take a discount come back be with Packers because Aaron Jones has been doing that consistently. We kept thinking that AJ Dillon was going to get his shot to be the RB one. We didn't get that because Aaron Jones kept taking that hometown discount, hometown discount and coming back. Will AJ Dillon do it? I don't know. He could hit free agency, go get himself a little bit more money somewhere else. Potentially it's interesting, but if he exits in free agency and the Packers opt to, you know, continue on with Aaron Jones, who is in contract, and maybe they supplement a little bit with like Emmanuel Wilson, or maybe they draft draft a late round running back as well, a day three guy. <sighs> Aaron Jones has huge, huge upside. And because of the injury situation and because of the disappointment from 2023, we're getting a massive discount on him. I don't think he's going to crack a top 20 back in terms of where you're going to have to draft him. It's very possible. It's very possible, depending on how free agency shakes out. You know, maybe you get the step. Obviously, you know, you get Derrick Henry moving on. That moves up Tajay Spears. So we've got some guys being drafted a little bit later that are going to move up in flux. It's very possible that Aaron Jones could be drafted outside the top 24. Maybe not even an RB2. Could legitimately be a zero RB king. So just keep your eye out on that one. That is someone that I could potentially see myself hanging my hat on in in 2024 as a very fine kind of uh, mid-round zero RB target there to take that risk on with him. Then moving on to the Bills and the Steelers game, um, obviously nothing for us to talk about with the Bills. Um, The Steelers is interesting, though. Mike Tomlin, (laughs) after straight up walking out on that press conference, which which was kind of hilarious, um, will be returning... In 2024, I, I did. It was kind of funny how he came back and said he was in a better mood. Like the next, was it yesterday or, or earlier today? Came back and said, "I'm in a better mood now." Do you want to ask me about any contract questions? But he's back. He'll be back for at least next year. Um, and they confirmed that you know Kenny Pickett is the QB one moving forward, for what that's worth. Um, but it's uh, he'll have competition. So what that tells me is that. Your QB one in name for right now in terms of who's on that roster with Mason Rudolph and uh, Mitch Trubisky. Although I think one of the two won't be. I think it's Trubisky or Rudolph that theoretically would not be there. One of them will not be there. I think that they are going to make some, I don't know if it's going to be free agency. I don't know if they're going to try and find someone in the draft that competes with Kenny Pickett, but I don't think that Kenny Pickett's going to have a stronghold on this job by any means. We're going to be in a competition situation between him and somebody else. And when we're looking at, um, you know, do they truly want to try and start over with another rookie quarterback, take that risk. They don't have a high 
first round draft pick. They could trade up, but I don't know if they want to invest that type of capital. It's not really typically the way that they operate here. So maybe we get um, a free agency situation of somebody. Maybe they pursue somebody else to try and take over that spot. So that's one to watch out for here because obviously that has a massive effect on our guys, <clears throat> our um, guys in terms of George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. Goodness, oh my gosh, Pat Fryermuth, obviously, who was wildly, wildly disappointing. But if they can adjust this upgrade or adjust and upgrade the situation at quarterback, obviously, the shakeout from the playoffs here, I, th I think that's the big takeaway for Pittsburgh is that we will 100% see them move on at quarterback and they make a push in free agency potentially. Um, and then the other one, obviously, that we want to talk about here before we move on to some additional mailbag questions here is the is the Eagles versus the Bucks. <sighs> Y'all might think I'm crazy on this one, but the situation in Philly, I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's as dire as people are making it out to be in terms of the offense. Um, the Eagles took a nosedive at the end of the season. Terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing it whatsoever. But it's a little bit different from like, let's say the Miami Dolphins situation where we consistently saw throughout the entire season that when they were faced with these difficult situations, these difficult games, they would fail. There was a very clear pattern here throughout the entire season. For what it's worth with the Philadelphia Eagles, they were 10 and 1, you know, before they went on that downturn um, after that blowout loss to the 49ers. Whatever that loss right there triggered, obviously took everything downhill. But prior to that, there was they weren't really on the struggle bus here. Um, they had wins over Miami, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo. This was not a kind of situation where they were just beating up on bad teams. So call me crazy. Tell me that I'm wrong. I'm perfectly fine with that. But I don't think that Philly is in the panic situation that people think they are in. I think what we saw here is that Nick Sirianni got exposed as a head coach that he is highly dependent on his coordinators. And that's not a terrible thing. You know, you need your coordinators to be those guys. And you lose Shane Steichen, you lose Jonathan Gannon, and they just lost, period. Um, and clearly they got to make changes at coordinator, and they're going to. That is very obvious. So um, when we're looking at the Eagles moving forward, I don't expect a ton of change in their offense. Um, from a from when we're looking at Jalen Hurts, his reliability, um, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Uh, I don't think that there are going to be massive adjustments to those players. And we might be getting some discounts. I don't think we'll get a discount on A.J. Brown or Jalen Hurts, but I do think we'll get a little bit of a discount on Devonta, on Devonta Smith, potentially. Um, the only potential change that we could see here is the running back situation. Obviously, um, DeAndre Swift is a free agent. So, you know, depending on how they want to approach that situation, that could be somewhere where we see um, a major change. But obviously, they've got to spend most of their money on, <laughs> on their defense and potentially their offensive line in terms of we don't really know. It sounds like Jason Kelsey is potentially retiring here but they've got some issues and I don't think that our fantasy purposes our skill positions there are going to be massively effective <clears throat> affected 
any major changes there at all. Tampa Bay, though, is very, very interesting. I actually think that Tampa Bay is very critical to the overall free agency market because of the role that Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans play in this market. Baker kind of pushed himself up there, um, especially with this final, um, this not final playoff game. That was very they have a chance to win. Let me not say final playoff game here. The 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 wild card game for them. Um, Baker really showcased um, a significant change here. And I'll talk about this more in a second. Actually, well, yeah, let me, you know what? Let me go ahead and pivot to one of the mailback questions while we're on Baker. Um, before I do that, I will say Rashad White is the other main question here. Um, that one is another one that is significantly in flux. Uh, we need to see. If, if he remains the clear RB1, if they make any changes and, you know, any small additions in free agency, getting a cheap back or something to supplement white, um, do they, you know, get anything in the draft that maybe makes an impact? But if, if, if Rashad White's role is unchanged, <laughs> that is going to be someone that I push up in the rankings significantly. Um, but moving on back to Baker Mayfield, because I think that one is key. And we did have a, uh, mailbag question on that one. Is Baker Mayfield a buy in dynasty? Yes. Um, yes, finally, finally Baker Mayfield. Cause I was like a maker. I was a Baker Mayfield apologist for a really, really long time. And it got tough. It got rough trying to defend that man. Um, but I think this is the time where you can actually finally go out and buy him on the cheap because I think Baker is one of those players who, despite the fact that he had an overall very strong year um, and was a solid, solid streaming option um, throughout the season. I think he's one of those players that people believe that they're offloading and bailing out while they can. Um, but I will say this, if another team doesn't outbid Baker and he remains with Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay re-signs um, Mike Evans as well, and if Dave Canales is still the um, is still the offensive coordinator there, and, and we don't have like Seattle going and poaching him and bringing him back, if everything remains the same, I truly, truly think that the value that you're getting on Baker Mayfield, and you got to do it now. Don't like wait until they re-sign Baker or wait until they re-sign Mike Evans. Like you won't be getting a significant discount. You got to take that risk now and do it. But the value that you're getting on him and the youth that he actually has, because in our minds, Baker's like, oh, he's young still. We still have valuable years out of Baker. And if we can get this resurgence from him in this um, re-signing here, I think that they could run it back and you could get several solid, solid years out of him. So I think he's a good investment here that we can make. So yeah, Baker Mayfield. Oh, am I hanging my hat on Baker Mayfield in 2024? Mm, somewhat, somewhat. <laughs> Not hanging my hat on him, but I think he's a fine, I think he's a fine buy right now for people that are thinking that <clears throat> they're bailing out on him. I think he has earned... Um, and, and we'll retain that role in Tampa Bay. A um, couple more mailbag questions here uh, from, from the Reddit fantasy football account. Uh, shout out to Reddit. I'm on like, I'm on Reddit, like <laughs> more than I would care to admit. Um, yes. But shout out to this question from Reddit, from the Reddit fantasy football account. Um, 2023 had so many first round misses. Who is the most likely to fail and meet? 
to fail to meet expectations in 2024's first round. Easy answer here is CMC. I hate to say that. Um, and he's he's my 101. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like fade CMC or anything. Um, but the easy answer is CMC just because of the whole um, RB1 overall repeat issue and the fact that um, CMC has literally played a role in that <laughs> where we've seen him be um, the RB2 overall and then finishes the RB1 overall and then literally fail to play the majority of the seasons. So unfortunately, yeah, that is the, that's the easy answer here. But the less easy answer, like that's like the... It's the and then that's why I don't like the one on one. I like the I like the flexibility <laughs> to be able to choose hmm. to be able to choose where I'm where I'm going. But yeah, CMC is still my one on one. But I will say, um, unfortunately, just due to the history of overall overall RB ones, unfortunately, he is probably the riskiest um, and most likely to fail to meet expectations. Just statistically based off of that, not because of CMC, just statistically because of that. Um, but other than CMC, Kyron Williams, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I really do because I love Kyron. I think his workload is solid. I think he's going to remain the RB one for the Rams. I don't think that they're going to dip into free agency and go invest in somebody, um, cause they've got so many other problems to solve. A running back is clearly not one of them. I don't think that they're going to go draft anybody that's going to take Kyron's spot. So I think he retains his role and he is a top 12 pick for me. That said, um, unfortunately it's tough to deny that he really isn't built for an RB one workload. Uh, he thrives on it. He does very well with it, but I don't know if it's really for him and for his body. Um, but he's still a top 12 pick for me because I make my best effort not to fade somebody. I don't fade players based off of perceived injury risk because as we have seen time and time again, injury hits you if you're young. A hamstring doesn't just come if you're a 30-year-old Keenan Allen. A hamstring can get you if you're a, if you're a spry Justin Jefferson. It can, it can get anybody. Um, so again, I don't try to predict injury risk um, with, you know, unless there are certain players that you can obviously take count into it, like a Kadarius Tony and a multi-year issue. There's, there's obviously times where you can do that. But when it comes to fading somebody because he is smaller and maybe might be a little bit more at risk of injury, I tend to try not to do that. Um, but you can't deny that there is the potential there for that issue with Kyron Williams. And then I will say one more. Um, one more is Jonathan Taylor. JT is a guy that obviously thrives off of touchdowns. Um, and right now he is coming in as a back end um, first round pick. For me, he is not in my top 12 and he will not move up into my top 12. There's zero scenario where that is going to happen in my rankings. It's going to be interesting to see how they adjust this offense to Anthony Richardson and the usage at the goal line, because we haven't seen the two intertwine and mesh um, in terms of how goal line touches for Anthony Richardson and goal line touches for Jonathan Taylor, how those are going to work out together, unfortunately. Um, that's the only issue that I see there for him and why, um, I, I, I can't put him in my top 12. I'll draft him in the second round for sure. Um, on a discount, no problem. Is he a top 12 pick for me? No, because he needs those touchdowns. And I don't know if I am willing to risk it there specifically with Jonathan Taylor, just because he doesn't have, um, 
he doesn't have the avenue to get there in, in another way in terms of being a top five back. He needs those touchdowns. Um, then we're going to move on to one more mailbag questions. Um, what's up? What's up to Robert Thomas? Appreciate you joining in here. Um, let's see. The last question that is this the last one? Yes. The last question that we have here is who is your guy in 2024? I don't have an official guy yet. Although as I talk through this, I think maybe I actually do have an official guy. Um, but I will tell you this. Um, let me start off with this one because we were just talking about Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson. So I'll transition over to this one. I think Pittman, Michael Pittman will be one of the most controversial receivers in 2024. You will have your loyalist like me. I'm a Michael Pittman loyalist, um, who are drafting him. We are not fearful of Anthony Richardson. We know that Pittman is the clear wide receiver one. He is a target hog. He is a guy that is getting you double digit targets. He's getting yardage. Um, touchdowns are there, but he's not a guy who relies on them, who depends on them. Again, very contrast to Jonathan Taylor as a running back. You know, Pittman is not a receiver that has to thrive off of touchdowns. Um, he can still have a fine season if he's only got like seven. Um, that said, again, when you're going to have those people in your leagues where they fear Anthony Richardson and Pittman will move down draft boards. I don't know that he will be drafted as a top 12 wide receiver. And I think he is very deserving of being a top 12 wide receiver. When we look at him, his body of work, his reliability, and the level of targets that he has been able to garner with a wide variety of quarterbacks over his um, career. And this is assuming, obviously, he's a free agent. So this is assuming that he is um, re-signing with Indianapolis. Um, but when we're looking at this, I'm not going to let, and this is it, we have no sample size of Anthony Richardson to say that Anthony Richardson is bad for Pittman. But we have a ton of sample size of Pittman with literally any quarterback um, succeeding. And we have literally two full games last year of Pittman and Anthony Richardson. One was a 20-point performance in week one, um, tw a little bit over. I think it was like 23 points or something like that. Um, he was a target hog. He was fantastic. And then we have one terrible, horrible, horrible performance against the LA Rams where Anthony Richardson only completed 11 passes and Pittman caught one of them. Um, it was a weird game. It was a weird game where the tight ends were like hyper-targeted. He threw uh, two touchdowns to tight ends which is weird because we don't have massive involvement from the tight ends in Indianapolis. So I don't think there's a, a massive sample size for us to say, we've got to fade Pittman. Cause I've seen that man saying of people saying we can't draft it. We can't draft Pittman, Anthony Richardson. It's a liability to Pittman. I'm not on that. Um, I Pittman will still continue to be my guy and that is not going to change. And I will say another person that I might take a good bit of in drafts um, at discount oddly enough, is Marquise Brown. Now we have to see where Marquise Brown um, lands because he is a free agent. Um, he could be back with Arizona. Maybe they, you know, decide that they want to re-sign him and obviously, you know, potentially use that top pick as a, you know, jump off for drafting a guy like Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors. So Brown could obviously not be the wide receiver one there, but I liked what I saw from Kyler Murray at the end of the season. Obviously, he was not himself. Um, he didn't have the proper offseason to prep or prepare. He came in um, cold, 
And from what we saw in terms of the production, I didn't hate it. It wasn't typical Kyler Murray, but it was good enough that I feel, you know, decently confident that Kyler in a in a healthy, healthy offseason is going to return to similar to what we saw before. And Marquise Brown is somebody who, even if he goes over to another team, if he remains with Arizona, if he goes over to, with the, to another team, regardless, you're drafting him likely as a 100 overall pick or later, like one over 100 overall at best um, as a guy that you're putting on your bench, the level of upside and level of talent that he has is a guy that you don't actually have to draft, not even for your flex position. Yeah. I'm probably going to take a lot of Marquise Brown. I know it's not inspiring, but I will say that I think there is some potential of hidden value there in terms of a massive discount that you're going to get on him. Very similar to Pittman actually, because you were able to get Pittman at a decent discount um, in 2023. And then another guy who definitely will be one of my guys in 2024, late round dart throw. Um, you should 100% be targeting Dontavian Wicks in all your drafts. Seriously, 100% walk away with Dontavian Wicks as a late round target. In an offense where literally any wide receiver can go off like Green Bay, um, just draft the one that is coming in last, and that's Dontavian Wicks. And legitimately... <sighs> He looks better than Watson to me. Um, he looks, the routes look crisper. Um, I think he's just as strong of a deep threat. Uh, I think he will still get significant play, even with a healthy, a healthy Christian Watson. So I think Don Taven Wicks is somebody who is a fine late round dart throw just because of the massive upside that he's shown in the reliability. Um, but that's it. That wraps things up. I appreciate you all joining in um, and sticking around and saying hello to me. Um, again, this is the Dear Miss Fantasy Show with Player Profiler. If you have any questions, as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at it's Sarah Time, I-T-S-T-E-R-A-T-I-M-E. Tag me. I will respond. If you want me to include a question in the mailbag show, that would be wonderful. Um, and you can tag me multiple times. I don't care. And if you're listening to this on the podcast version, um, please subscribe. That'd be greatly appreciated. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, make sure that you're liking the video. That would be amazing. Drop me a comment afterwards. I will reply. And then make sure that you're also following Player Profiler as well and subscribe to them. Um, but that wraps things up. Appreciate you all joining in. I will catch you again next week. Enjoy, enjoy the playoffs and have a wonderful weekend.